1: Welcome to the University of Pleasure.
0: Where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation.
1: I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist.
0: And I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. And of course, I'm just going to get this out of the way right now. Greg is here with us.
1: Yeah!
0: Hi, Greg. In the house! I just want to get that out of the way because I knew you were going to be like, Oh, and then Greg is here and it's so great. So now it's out of the way and we can at least get the episode started. All right.
2: <laughs> Fair enough.
0: And we are back folks here at the university of pleasure. We hope you had a great week. Hope you enjoyed the last episode about, uh, dating and what not to do to ruin a first date and all that jazz. It was an interesting one. And I know I said interesting at the beginning of that last episode, but it really was interesting because I just, I was really fascinated and still kind of am a little obsessed with what you would say. Like if I handed you my Tinder profile right now, doc, like give me the review. (laughs) Like I just was so like, Oh, I want to do it so bad. We can
1: do an actual segment on that where I look at your Tinder profile. Tinder
0: and Bumble (laughs) and Field. You look at all my profiles. I'm
1: going to look at all Jeremiah's profiles. And she will rate
0: me. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know why. I want to know so bad. I kind of, probably because I want you to be like, wow, you did this really great. Like, really, really great job.
1: I think you'll want to know until it's, I mean, I feel hesitancy because I don't want it to markedly impact our relationship. I mean, so far, we do such a good job respecting one another. (laughs)
2: And the amount of professionalism both of you show, you can absolutely separate the two, I'm sure. It's sure. Right. Yeah.
1: I mean, we do such a good job really keeping it just like easy, super, um, super, just like a, a good positive energy flow between the two. Yeah,
0: That's what I feel. I feel that every episode. And welcome back, Greg. He's a little grumpy right now because he had his air conditioning running and I had to have him turn it off because it was making too much noise in the microphones. I'm sorry. If you can just deal with the sweat for all of our millions of fans, I would appreciate it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he, that was the, he was definitely still grumpy. Okay. So, <laughs> couple of announcements about upcoming announcements. The Amy book is still coming. Don't forget. And uh, it's... <laughs>
1: She... <laughs> it kills me, man.
0: It's good. There's gonna be a solid date, I just don't have it yet. And I want to make sure that our fans are aware that the audiobook of Amy is coming soon. And when it does, I will have that date and it'll it's be like bang, like, bang, boom.
1: It's like a 14 year old that's like, Everybody, listen, I want you all to know that at some point I will be getting married. Stay tuned. <laughs> and then, like, the next week at dinner is like, Still gonna do that, guys. Stay tuned. <laughs>
0: Thank you, Doc. Thank you so much for comparing me to a 14-year-old. But then again, (laughs) not too far off. (laughs) So, (laughs) As I'm like, ooh, the new Masters of the Universe cartoon is coming out soon. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the Amy book is on its way. And if you remember and you had a chance to listen to the last episode, don't forget to go and vote for us for our big-time podcast award at podcastawards.com. Go in there, put in your email address, go looking for the University of Pleasure and push Yes, we want to vote for University of Pleasure for the Podcast People Choice Awards. Very excited about this. Very excited to have a uh, trophy to go next to my participation trophies from karate class. And uh, I think this one's going to be the big one. I just, I feel like it's, I'm going to be like, make it like the hallmark. People are coming to my house, they're going to look at it like an Emmy. Like that's the next step from here, Doc. It's I have a podcast question. award I, Emmys.
1: Can I, can I ask you a quick question? 100%. What if there is just one singular, like if you like if the podcast did win, what if there's just one singular award, Jeremiah? Like, like what?
0: Are you, were you we're, saying you would want it? Is that what you're getting at here? That you would want to <laughs> take it? I know you don't want it. Don't even try that with me. I know if there was one, you'd be I like, I nah. Do I
1: want the award? Not really. But do I like bothering you? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll be an
0: award-sharing program. You get it for a few months. I get it for a few months. And when oh. you have it, I will have a picture of it hanging up in my house. <laughs> so that's how that's going to go. And, Greg, I'm really sorry. They do not have a... Uh, category which is the word I couldn't think of last week, category for correspondence in a podcast.
2: If they did, no recording role in a podcast, no, kind of.
0: <laughs> but if they did, you would 100% get my vote, and I believe you would win it. You know what? I'm just gonna go on
2: to Amazon and order six Oscars for myself, they mm-hmm. come in a set, and I'll just put them on a shelf.
0: That's right, I, love- I think that's great. <laughs> and the number, all the episodes <laughs> you have been a pocket, part of, but I don't know <laughs> what was that again.
2: They may be made out of chocolate, but I don't
0: know. <laughs> it's fine. There's nothing wrong with a chocolate major award. I've had right. those. They're great. Chocolate does go bad. <laughs> and on a, and on
1: a warm day, they start to slump. That's you right. Know? <laughs> exactly. Kind
0: of. Keep them near the air conditioning. Again, sorry to bring up a sore subject, Greg. So there's that. Please go and vote for the podcast. And Amy Book's coming. And what other announcements do we have? I think that's it for now about announcements, about upcoming announcements. So we're here we're going to do a bit of a roundtable discussion. I have much to ask and have answered in this. So here we go, folks. Desiring danger. Sexy or stupid. When high risk and sexual play unite. First of all, I read that so good, it's crazy to me. Two. Let's just talk about, by the way, with their silence, when I say something like that doesn't make me feel good. I need reassurance from time to time. OK, you're a doc. You should know that. OK, when you just
1: <laughs> you said it. Well, you don't give maybe others the chance to congratulate you. Weren't you weren't going to say anything.
0: Thing. You weren't going to say a thing. Don't even try to pretend like you were. That's not the point. Now-
2: In all truthiness here. um, I didn't say anything because it was so good. I didn't want to ruin the take. And then you'd be like, great. Now I've got to redo this because you talked over the end of it. Blah, 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 blah. So that was my silence was a silence of deep approval of how well
0: you performed that.
1: Yeah. What Greg said. That was me, too.
0: Thank you. You know who would have complimented me if she was here?
1: Laura Rademacher, My I know. My best
0: friend, Laura Rademacher, would have complimented me 100%. Laura,
1: Laura is your Greg.
0: She gets me, okay? <laughs> Laura gets me. I miss you, Laura. Please come back on the podcast and teach us more. You
2: have to have a lot of patience. So.
1: <laughs> dare you?
0: How dare you? All right. So let's talk about this. When we're talking about desiring danger, okay, we're talking about things that go past the basic lines of like, you know, I might want to get tied up now that might be super dangerous for some people but you know we're talking a couple levels above that kind of danger right doc we're talking about like yeah. more like super hardcore stuff like bloodletting and and like you know because there's a thing called blood play i'm pretty sure there's a thing called blood play yeah I read there's about a thing
1: that. called blood play i mean i think really like so i mean you're already bringing up an interesting point right like that Danger is a, a relative concept, right? Like to what one person feels dangerous may not feel dangerous to another person. But uh, yeah, this is probably more when people are engaging in like behaviors that very legitimately maybe could create some type of like physical harm or ongoing impact that, you know, there's there's like actual risk involved that like starts to be on, you know, a little bit higher end of the spectrum.
0: Okay, so let's talk about some of these risks and, you know, uh, talk about it in a roundtable discussion. See where we go, see what we learn. see if the doc can get us on the right track. How about that?
1: well, i don't I don't really know if there's a right track, but it's an interesting dialogue.
0: All right, so <laughs> let's have an interesting dialogue about that. So first thing, let's talk blood play. Don't know what it is. Did no research. <laughs> Well, wow, what just is down it? there? Are we? Yeah, man. I mean, listen, right. we're talking well, about crazy shit. That's crazy. I,
1: you know, well, what's really interesting is, is like, I think a lot of times when people think about like, quote unquote, dangerous or high risk, um, like sexual scenarios, they immediately think about like kink or BDSM. Right. But and don't get me wrong, like there's some high risk stuff within BDSM or kink play. Um But there's a lot of stuff that's like much more pedestrian than that. And like folks that like might not be in the kink community or BDSM community, like, like might still be engaging in stuff that has like a higher degree of sort of like danger or risk or hazard to it. And, you know, what's really interesting, like part of like, (laughs) I have way less concerns when someone's engaging in a higher risk behavior and they're part of the kink community or BDSM community because that means that usually there's been dialogue around it, organization around it, often like maybe if people are part of a community, a reduction in shame, secrecy. And those are interestingly all things that tend to actually help reduce like risk of a behavior. So like if you take something like blood play, for instance, it depends on who's doing it. Right. So like, let's say you have two people that are uh, part of that, you know, as maybe part of a BDSM dynamic, but they've had conversations about that, boundaries around that and have really engaged in a lot of dialogue around it. Well, then the risk, depending on like what type of blood play, right, that risk might start to reduce because there's a lot of sort of um uh, boundaries put right, around that. Right.
0: So let me let me wrap this up for our audience really quick here. Okay, this is a short episode. So basically what you're saying is if you're somebody who's not really into a lot of this craziness, you know, you should really probably find somebody like on FetLife and then have a lot of discussions, build some boundaries and that's it. Have a nice day. Was that close? Is that what you're getting at just now?
1: No. <laughs> okay. I, was, I was getting at the idea that like, you know, this is a, the reason that i think it's a topic for discussion is like that there's a lot of sort of different angles about like what is what is too dangerous what is too risky right and it, it's relevant because danger risk like these are part of things that often get paired with eroticism and uh, and paired like they feel hot they feel exciting to people and people often like in their sexual play like let's say somebody likes I don't know, some type of uh, like anal penetration in a way that like they like it a little more rough and a little harder. But let's say, you know, they like it pretty rough and pretty hard and then maybe they keep ramping that up. Well, there is a certain ceiling, right, on how much you can do before you start to incur some physical damage. Now, I hang on, hang on.
0: So you're talking about like, uh, you know, uh, something happened to your to your butt if you are having too hardcore of anal play. Is that what we're saying here? Like something can like, happen. Let's to... say
1: somebody let's say somebody's using like a 18 inch dildo and they're using it rather aggressively and they're using it in a way that um, is repetitive and is actually starting to create certain types of problems. Right. So like that would be an example. But well, I just want to make sure here.
0: we don't scare well, our fans here. So, you know, like basic yeah, Greg, anal play is, is, you know, you're not going to, your butt's not going to fall out. Like, you well, know, I, you're not going to start pooping your pants yeah. all day long. I
1: wanted to be clear. There's a reason I said 18 inch dildo. Okay. <laughs> and that'd be like
0: also like not just 18 inches long, but also like, you know, the size of like Dorothy. a baseball bat. And,
1: and not like a one-time thing, right? Yeah. Like you keep, basically you keep upping the ante on something. Greg, what were you going to say? Greg was raising well, his hand. But,
2: I mean what it sounds because like honestly uh, two things. So like when I heard what we were going to be talking about I was like okay let's go to Google. Um everything like if I, I By the way I'm sorry
0: he's so professional. Danger like, I was like
2: <laughs> like that. I I mean but any any topic that brings up like the risk of sexually transmitted Yes. News. So it doesn't even discuss what you are discussing. And then what you're discussing reminds me of, like there was that old commercial, um, probably back in the 80s, um, because yes, I am aware of that, um, that it was like, hey, I need to work harder so I can make more money, so I can do more drugs, so I can work harder, so I can make more money. And it was this cycle (laughs) where it's like, okay, great. Let me start with a six inch dildo okay that has lost it for me so now i gotta bump it up okay great now i gotta go even more now i got like so it sounds like you're describing this like unending cycle that then is just bound to end in disaster So how is this any good for anyone?
1: (laughs) Well, you know what's really interesting? Like, so I just gave odd example, right? Like you could pick a different example. Let's say something like autoerotic asphyxiation, right? That's one that's more popular in the media, right? Because it's actually Uh, resulted in death for some folks, right? Uh, Right. Hello,
2: again, how is this healthy
1: for you? Yeah. So, well, and here's the thing. Like it starts to get really complicated when you start asking about health, right? Like there are all sorts of things that we let people do that we know are a risk to their health. And people are like, it's my right. Like, let's take smoking, all right? Smoking is a relatively high risk behavior, right? Yeah. Texting and driving, but that, but we don't talk about, we do talk about texting and driving, don't. But we tell people all the time, like, Hey, don't do that. That's not that great for your health, right? Or consider the risks of that, right? But interestingly, in sex, we tend to have, and probably because of cultural stigma and things like that, much stronger reactions when people are engaging in like behaviors that we feel like have a higher element of risk to them. You know, so there's something like if we talk about like, uh, like maybe in a kink BDSM community. This isn't everybody, right? So I don't want to be global in this, but like some folks engage in what's called rack, right? Which is risk-aware consensual kink, right? So risk-aware is really about that idea of like this is about informed consent. Be aware that what you're doing and how you're doing it might create a risk of harm, and you know that that's a huge part of kind of the practice and that there's consent around that and informed consent, just as in like, hey, you know, you get a pack of cigarettes and on it it says like, be warned, these could be cancer, right? And people then are going to make their choice, but in an informed way. Where I think that things can sometimes be more problematic is when people are engaging in behaviors without an awareness of risk. Why? Because of poor sexual education, shame, secrecy. Like a lot of times when people end up actually being in a risky situation that kind of really starts to go awry. Interestingly, not always, but often there has a lot of like, somebody has been doing something in a way that is maybe very secretive or shame oriented, and they've kind of been keeping it to themselves. Like anybody, like if there's like any ER doctors that ever listen to this podcast, Absolutely. How many things do you find in people's butts as a regular part of your job that absolutely shouldn't be in people's butts? And why are they in people's butts? Well, some of it just might be some excitement about a particular fetish object, but a lot of times it's, I was too embarrassed to go get the actual toy that would be more appropriate for my butt. So instead I put Oh, something in there that has uh, got lost, right? That doesn't have a flare at the end and got sucked up into my butt and now I'm in the doctor because I was too embarrassed.
0: This is sounds that- amazingly wild to me. Okay, so we're... So- okay, so, all right. I mean, something got sucked up into my butt. Like, I'm thinking like a, the black hole and it's a whole black hole. Anyway, the point is that it is... I think I hear what you're saying now. I think I'm, I'm I'm getting it now, Doc, is what you're saying is so like there's a lot of shame. Somebody might want to engage in something that may be a little bit risky. And it's a, probably a little better to engage in with somebody, you know, with uh, what was it? I don't know what the acronym. Was. What, what, what rack.
1: Was it? Well, so rack is one of them. There's also a, like safe, sane and uh, sober, like within the king community. And yeah. I just use that as an example because there's a lot of stuff people do that is outside of that, right? Like you could take something like urethral sounding, right? Like do you t- who knows what, who knows what urethral sounding is.
0: Nobody's raising their hand, doc. Yeah. Come on, nobody would know what that I, is.
1: Dude, like this is this is such a
2: foreign topic to me that I <laughs> I'm like I was like I'm honored that I'm asked to participate, but um like I said, my research went as far as the myth of Catherine the Great and having a horse fall on her while she was having sex. With Catherine- a horse. <laughs> and then death think that's yeah. probably too high risk you know right. but yeah yeah but well, when you get to a more kind of substantial like hey what do we want to send as a positive message or spin on this i really am at a loss here and this Well and
1: that's and that's why we're talking about it right like so like so, let's so i give an example like urethral sounding is literally um putting things in your urethra right oh, like god. and and you're saying oh god but some but some people find it really pleasurable and there are specific toys that are made for it. Let me be, and very, let me tra- be very
0: clear to our audiences. When I react like that does not mean in any way to yuck your yum. OK, like the doc says, that's your jam. That's cool. That's just a knee jerk reaction because I've had things shoved up in my urethra to get like STD tests. And let me tell you something that wasn't very pleasurable for me. OK, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just for me. And only me, and I do not mean to shame anyone who is listening to this podcast if that is your jam. If there are urethra urethra plugs or things to stick up there that I don't even know, I'm just making it up as I'm talking.
1: They'd be called like like sounding devices. But here's the thing, right? Like those things can like start relatively small and maybe get bigger and bigger over time. And there's probably a ceiling on – okay, now you're starting to run into some medical risks. Like the same way as like, if you start, basically when you start putting things in your body, at some point there is a limit to like where you're putting it, how far you're putting it in or how like sort of aggressive you are with it or how big it might be. Where all of a sudden now like, okay, now you're starting to have a little bit of medical risk involved. Like, so for instance, like take something like engaging in like anal fisting, Right. Or, like, if you're engaging in anal fisting and maybe if you're doing it in a particularly ag- aggressive way or, like, maybe somebody's doing double fisting, like, those are things that could, for some, create something like anal prolapse, right? So, that's something that would be a... Uh, anal uh, prolapse.
0: Was... Can you please explain what that is? Is that your butt falling out of your butt?
1: <laughs> in layman's terms, yes. Yeah. Yeah, essentially, right, yeah, right, like, some of your insides start coming out a bit, right, like, so you're, I I often use the, the phrase, which is not an actual phrase, it is my coin, is, uh, some things start to come apart a little with your rectal integrity, right? Rectal <laughs> like, integrity. Uh, <laughs> like some stuff starts to to come outside of your body that you'd really rather stay inside right and here's the thing maybe on a one off that happens and that's not a big deal but let's say somebody's doing that on a really routine basis now okay that might start to have some some kind of impact right you could talk about it with like vaginal penetration to a certain degree like you also have like if you're putting stuff inside like let's say your anus or your vagina like You have guts up in there, right? So at a certain point, you might be hitting things that are like, we don't want to be involved in this. And what starts to get tricky, right, is like, you know, sometimes like I also don't want to yuck people's young, but I am really into the idea of like informed consent. And again, where I see things being more a problem for folks is when people are like really doing a lot of stuff and then feeling bad about it, but then they're doing more of it and they're not getting like education around it, around like what those consequences could possibly be. And then why do people keep things secret? Well, because you're afraid they're going to be judged for it, right? Or that they like it or that it's fun for them.
0: All right. Well, I want to be very clear. There is no judgment here at the University of Pleasure. I think it's great if you want to stick things in your urethra or you want to poop out your own butt. I think it's great I think you should be able to do that. Uh I'm gonna I'm just gonna need a break. Cause I don't know why, but this is this is making me sweat. So I'm gonna let's I think this is a good place to take a break. Oh, do not have air conditioning on in your studio either. Oh, he's still so grumpy. He's still so grumpy. <laughs> um, so I think it's a good place to take a break, Doc. And when we come back. Let's uh, talk about maybe some other things that we think are dangerous for the people who don't know a lot about, like, that aspect of things. And uh, then we can talk about levels of danger, that sort of thing, and you can give us some more insights. What do you think, Doc? Sounds good. All right. We'll be right back. And we're back, folks. Desiring danger is the topic here. Sexy or stupid when high risk and sexual play unite. Okay, so what I've learned so far is people things people stick things up their urethras, which really put me into a cold sweat. <laughs> I'm not trying to put anybody down; just made me kind of go into a bit of a cold sweat. And I need a glass of water. The other thing that I've learned is that you know, possibly engaging in these types of things can cause a lot of shame, which people will then. Not want to, you know, they 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 might be turned on by it, but they might have some shame about it. And so they might do things like not have the proper toys, not have the proper tools. And you were saying, Doc, that it's probably good, you know, that that like it, it, having a certain type of consent, having really important conversations, you know, talking about STDs. Where are you with that? What's going on when you're doing things like, you know, because, I mean, it's like a trust fall. You know, it's like a trust. You know what a trust fall is? <laughs>
1: It's, it's yeah, like Yeah, you want to you're you're not wrong, right? If you're doing it with someone else, you do want to know that they catch you. Yeah, but like also, especially
0: like you're doing autoerotic fixation. Did, did I say that right?
1: right? Like yeah, you got to be like, "Hey, are,
0: I mean, I know people do that to themselves as well, which can also
1: cause problems because if you pass out and then it gets stuck and you could choke, right? But well, auto autoerotic would uh, would assume that you're always doing that to yourself, right? So it's autoerotic otherwise it would be? Okay,
0: semantics. My point is <laughs> That, you know, if you were doing something like that and somebody, I you mean, know...
1: my job kind of is here—is to correct and to. <laughs> like... <laughs> what if you have
2: a ghost pleasure, you know, instead of an autobiography, you have a ghost writer do it. Maybe you have a, a ghost pleasure, do the auto erotic stuff. That's right.
1: Uh... See? Fair. Fair.
0: I'm just Fair. saying like, you know, if if I was choking myself and then wouldn't you want like a, you know, it's like the buddy system. You know, you don't want to go out on a walk all by yourself in the dark, you know, so you have somebody that could be a buddy there. In case, like, you know, you choke yourself, but then your scarf gets caught and then, you know, you could die. So if you have somebody that's like, ooh, that was awesome. You got so turned on or however that works, but it got caught. Don't worry. I was there for you, man. I I released that scarf and you're okay. You know, like having if you don't know it very well, that you should probably get to know it and have people that can help you learn the world. Talk about consent. I'm not just talking about erotic. Greg, Greg Greg has a question.
2: Well, I mean, before we get into that, I guess my question is, typically, or from your studies, um, like, what leads a person to even, you know, like, what in the brain that makes someone want to even attempt this the first time? Is it like a adrenaline rush kind of thing? Is it out, you know, like, Like, like when you're trying to understand, like, because if people are curious about this and they're trying to understand, like, oh, geez, am I the only one that this happens to? Or I don't tell anyone about this because I'm ashamed that I'll be judged or whatever. You know, it's like, like where I I mean, I guess like what? Like, where does someone even fathom like, hey, I'm going to stick something up my urethra. Like, Hmm. let's see how that feels, you know?
1: Right. Well, Okay. I'm going to annoy everyone with this answer. I know um, <laughs> it.
0: I feel it coming. Like I feel but, it.
1: But but I, I am going to do it. Like everybody, take a breath because this is this comp. It's a good question and it's very complex, right? And so there's a couple different answers, right? I think the first one is like it really depends on the person sitting in front of you, right? Like so, different people have different sort of entry points into what might be erotic and hot and why, right? From a more general sense, like if we ask the question of like, why is danger and risk often paired with sex? Why do those things get paired together? Well, think about arousal. All right. Arousal, like sexual arousal, right, is, is a is a level of like activation, right? You're you're activated. What does risk and danger do? Well, it further activates your central nervous system, specifically your autonomic nervous system, that fight or flight response. And so that enhances arousal. Right. And so a lot of times that's also something about secrecy, right? We've talked a lot about on here, uh, taboo, Jeremiah yeah. and I have Yeah. That's about that, my right? favorite. Well, like, it's very similar, like knowing you're not supposed to do something or knowing you might get caught. Like there are different things that people risk. Today we're talking a little bit more about like, uh, like literal, like maybe medical risk, right? Like, um, versus like maybe risk of ge- being caught or like risk of getting in trouble. and. Um, that what that risk does, regardless of what area, is it creates increased arousal, right? And so a lot of times people maybe pair those things together accidentally or on purpose. Sometimes this, a lot of times with sex, the things that people discover that they like are things that are erotic. They just sort of accidentally discover it in some kind of way, and then they just kind of keep being like, well that was kind of nice. Like, let's take something like, uh, let's take it out of this kind of area because I I think it's an easier way to give an example would be like, let's say somebody, um, discovers a partner is cheating on them and they thought they'd be really upset and maybe they are and they're hurt, but they're also a little turned on by that idea. Oh, I lived this doc. I totally lived this. Yeah. Say more. What do you mean? Jeremiah?
0: Well, no, I mean, this happened to me. I got cheated on. I was devastated. Actually, Greg was there for this. We've talked about Voldemort in the past. And, uh, I mean, he wasn't there <laughs> I, there. he Just to be clear.
1: I was going to say, like, the plot's thickening here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: I was like, wait, what do you mean I was there? I was like, uh, I don't
0: remember this. No, but uh, anyway, I it happened with Voldemort. Greg was around for this whole scenario. But anyway, I was cheated on. I was devastated. But then as I was laying there in bed... Thinking about how devastated I was and how she did all these horrible things to me, I got aroused and it it, it tripped me out because I'm like, I'm so devastated. Why is this so hot to me? And I had to kind of cultivate that and figure that out. So I can see how what you're saying, like, you know, right. hey, somebody stumbles across erotic asphyxiation. They know nothing about it. And then all of a sudden they're like, You know, what is that? And it, like, triggers a little something that then, wow, am I wrong? And and remember, I felt horrible about myself. I thought I had lost my mother-effing mind. Like, I was like, I'm crazy. How could I be, like, masturbating the idea of her sleeping with somebody else when she's hurting me and I'm crying all at the same time, right? This is 21-year-old Jeremiah we're talking about here, okay? I have grown and learned. But I had to figure it out. So... But there was a lot of shame that came along with it. So I'm totally on board now, Doc. I just needed something that connected to me to to, to, to get the juice Ye- pumping in my brain.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and, like, that that kind of, like, that would be a really good example of, like, you sort of stumbled upon that being hot, right? That's right. And so, honestly, like, when I think of, like, the etiology, right, like, the story of, like, how some people develop certain arousals, like, a lot of times it's, like, somebody stumbled upon something and then they just kind of built on that. And sometimes they built on it in ways that, like, were totally sustainable and they, you know, like, we're like, okay, I went to this limit. But sometimes people build on it to ways where it's, like – now there's also an increasing level of risk because people do um to so this is another answer to your question right like people habituate to things, right? So like the same level of something, sometimes you have to amp a thing up to get that same feeling of arousal, right? Like habituation is like if you jump in a cold pool and you stay in the water long enough, suddenly the water starts to feel warm. The temperature of the water doesn't change. What changes, right, is your tolerance to it. And so that happens a lot in sex. It's why like sometimes if people are watching, let's say like a lot of pornography, and Like the same type, they might have to start switching it up or deep diving deeper into the black hole or watch more of it to kind of like if people aren't taking breaks and they're really doing like and I'm saying like nine ten hours a day, like you know, like it's a lot of porn. Sort
0: of, hot damn, that's a you know, lot like use, of porn. Used
2: to, that's a full time
0: job, it
1: is a full time job. Um, is there a job and, out there that is just watching porn 10 hours? A day? I mean, I mean, like I mean a I'm asking for a friend, I'm asking for maybe a friend. somebody that edits porn for a living, right. okay?
0: Yeah, maybe, probably
2: okay. someone's got. Of what the clips that go on like Pornhub and stuff, right?
1: Yeah, I'm sure.
0: I guess so. Um, or
1: the people that, or the people that like do the um, sort of like the coding of it, right? Where they put like right. the the keywords, right? They're doing the classifications of it, like they're like porn librarians, right? Yeah. They're making it easier to search for it. Uh, information architecture—that's what it's called. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so like a lot of times habituation, right? So let's say somebody. Um, Let's say someone with a vagina is masturbating with, I don't know, like a dildo, and they do like that feeling of feeling like really stretched, right? But then maybe after a time, their body just starts to accommodate to what they're using, and so then they go up, and then they go up, and then they go up, right? And now, I'm going to be really honest with you, the vagina, because of the way it's built, can take a lot more probably at a base level than maybe an anus can. Yeah, <laughs> so I would think so. You know, just because it was... You know, there, there's space for a baby to come out, so there's a yeah. little bit more elasticity, that would be the phrase I'd use, right? But at the same time, I really do mean like, everything has its limit before you start to strain the body. Now that doesn't mean that somebody, like there's a reason that like, it's called safer sex practices, even with STIs, we no longer call it safe sex. Why? Well, because there's always an element of risk. Safer sex means that you're acknowledging and understanding that risk is present, that you can't, the only way to totally prevent risk, right, is to abstain from maybe certain behaviors, right? There are certain behaviors that are really low risk, like just masturbating in a way that, you know, doesn't cause the potential for physical harm or whatever. But like, If you're starting to involve other people, like different behaviors have different degrees of risk. And what's really tricky is different. When I said at the beginning that the idea of danger is relative, it means that everybody has sort of a different equation in their mind that they come up with. It's a a cost benefit analysis of risk to pleasure right? And everyone has a different level of willingness around how much they're willing to risk to get that pleasure, right? And that part of that equation might be how high and freaking great is that pleasure, yeah.
2: <laughs> right? Like yeah. that's
1: also a part of it. And, and that happens. We do that in other ways around sex all the time. We do it with, the, you brought up the example of STIs, right? Or pregnancy. That might be one mm-hmm. if somebody's not trying to get pregnant. Like, we make that sort of, and we do it in, you know, it's very interesting as a psychologist, right? Like a lot around COVID has been around like, what do people, how do people decide what they're going to do or what they're going to like health risk wise, right? People do little mental math equations of like, how enjoyable would this to be to me? How much do I want to see this person? Like, you know, like maybe during more quarantine times then people would decide what they were willing to risk, right? Sure. And so we do that in health often. And mm-hmm. sexual health is really no different. But there does, for some folks, become a point where, like, they're willing to risk much more because the reward that they feel like they get from it is maybe worth that risk. Where the problems sometimes come in is where people don't really know what they're risking. That's
2: right, when okay. trouble uh, arises.
1: Okay. Did that okay. all I, make? I, what I, do you think? What's think i'm blathering but
2: well no i i can say because like what you were saying it kind of sounded like hey there are some people that are just bad mathematicians let's say um (laughs) in 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 the calculation department so that they're like hey this is great oh no you know like and they've just gone too far where it's like like that's an innocent kind of mistake but then i thought too like there are just some kinds of people out there that are like you know like like those thrill seekers like that you see doing stuff like base jumping or doing you know like weird you know like stuff that you're like god i would never be caught dead doing that because there is a a much higher risk of like, almost to the point of death where you're like oh my god you you know like you really need to have a set of cojones to do something like that where you know like so here i'm thinking Okay, we're talking about a specific like group of people that were just those thrill seekers. But really, it does pertain to anyone in like almost like a spectrum kind of to uh, kind of analysis to say, hey, I'm willing to go this far for this pleasure. And then there's other people are say, oh, screw that, I would do twice as much as you would for that pleasure. And then there's people that are like, oh, my equation endless. I go to infinity and beyond. You know, like of. Right you know danger and and pleasure so um you know so i guess ultimately when all of that is you know depending on who it is calculating this for themselves what happens if you overcalculate or miscalculate
1: <laughs> well that's why it's called informed consent right there we like, go
0: and that gets us back but- full circle to You know, if you're going to engage in this, what you're getting at with us, Doc, is making sure you are informed. Make sure you understand the risks, like the risk-benefit analysis, right? Make sure you understand that if you keep going up and up and up and then all of a sudden you have a a dildo the size of, you know, uh, my forearm to my fist and you're using it every day, that it could cause problems in your anus. And if you're, you know, that, you know, if this, because sadly the body doesn't, and tell me if I'm wrong here. You know, but the body doesn't have like a, if you do this four times, your butt will fall out. You know, it doesn't, it's not that calculated, Uh, right?
1: No, it's not. And different people, like some people can take really different types of play, right? Like, cause we're, I'm talking like not about any, I keep using like specific examples, but I want to be clear. Like there are so many, there are so many different ways people get off, right? Mm -hmm. Like there are so many different ways that people get off with varying degrees of risk, varying degrees, um, you know, of like, Hey, like that's something that like from a physical perspective probably isn't going to do much, but sure it's atypical, but it's definitely not risky. And then some people do stuff that's like, really typical but actually might be also quite risky at the same time and so those things aren't mutually exclusive and i i think that it gets you are correct it gets really hard sometimes to always like know what those limits are which is why like when i said at the beginning of this like i tend to be much less concerned about folks, like, if they're, like, in a community, like, let's say it's, it is somebody in the, a kink community, or it is somebody in a BDSM community, because it is then more typical for people to be having, like, a lot more, like, like, taking more time. They're taking more time to have more dialogues, and also, like, maybe be personally reflective, and then learning more, right, like, education, kind of to your point, Jeremiah, around, like, what is the potential risk? But the, the reality is, there's also an acceptance piece of, like, like, that's what you are consenting to is, like, with yourself or with somebody else. Like, there is risk to this. And really, the biggest barrier, like, for me, like, i it's so hard because I think we do have a lot of, like, like, we allow people to do crazy, risky shit all the time. I mean, like, I think about that show Jackass.
0: Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, there 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 was an episode where I was thinking about that when you're talking about random stuff on people's butts and they put, like, a... Like a matchbox car up the one guy's butt mm-hmm. inside a condom and i was like
1: yeah. well i mean i was thinking about them like you know the head injuries
0: right? oh yeah <laughs> like, yeah that too i well, guess
1: <laughs> i mean and then you think about like you think we like not only like culturally around a lot of areas of risk like people take risk all the time it's in certain levels of risk we celebrate like we know that there is a massive risk of head injury and in, let's say boxing or football that could have ongoing impact in somebody's life. But like we celebrate those athletes. Right. But there's so much stigma around sex that we like almost have. And it's, it's like this in a variety of areas around sexuality. But we have like a different set of rules where we're less tolerant of somebody like being like, oh, this is risky and I know it, but I'm consenting to that. And so I feel OK about that. But we wouldn't have that like same often like more visceral reaction to other areas of risk that people engage in outside of sex on a day-to-day basis.
0: Does that all right? It, making- this all makes perfect sense. I think yeah. we should button this up. Okay. Let's put a nice little <laughs> bow on this here.
1: But Greg, has a question. Okay,
0: great.
2: Um, so in light of everything that we've all said uh, here, well, really in light of what you've said, doc, um where like, are there resources or like, say, you know, like we keep talking about how you should be informed and how you should have, you know, consent and conversation and stuff. But like, if someone is unsure, like, yes, you know, cause we're going beyond what you were describing just as like a regular, like kind of kink or, you know, BDSM kind of thing. Like, are there like support groups or are there like, or is it something where someone would have to come see a professional such as you to yeah. say, hey, I'm really thinking about this and I just don't know if this is you know, good for me
1: or not? Yeah, I mean, I've had people do that as an aside. Oh, uh- like, like I've had people come see me because of that. I mean, you can certainly like, there are like, like so for instance, uh, Jeremiah, you brought up Life earlier, right? And yeah. so FetLife is a, a lot of people know what FetLife is, right? It's a website aimed more at like kink BDSM. There's a community aspect to it. There's also- a side of it that's maybe a little hookup culture-y too, right? <laughs> but there, like, so there are certainly, like, things like forums. So, like, let's say someone wants to engage in some type of specific behavior that there is an element of risk to, I don't know, like, uh, autoerotic asphyxiation or something, right? Like, maybe uh, on FetLife, maybe not FetLife, maybe other areas, people could look at, like, forums and see, like, I mean, there's, you can Google damn near everything, but the thing is, is those are forums, right? So you want to be, like, I'm... You know, as someone that got a doctorate, I'm always like, be conscious of your resources, and you want yes, to. Yes, yes,
0: you a always do say thinker,
1: that, right? You want to be a critical thinker. Just because one person in a forum says, "Ah, eh, you're good to go," <laughs> <laughs> like you know, Reginald from Boise, you know, is like, "Thumbs up, you'll be fine." He's like, I, "I
2: put four <laughs> potatoes in my anus before." <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. you got plenty of room
1: up there. Yeah, yeah, and kids, here's the thing. Like, we have confirmation bias, right? Like, we pay attention to the stuff that we often want to pay attention to because it supports something we either want or we fear or we already believe to be true. So, like, you also have to be mindful of that. Like, when you're looking at resources, if you see 10 resources that say, like, hey, this might be something you really want to take slowly, and you see one that says, no big deal, go for it, and if you really want to do it, oftentimes people are biased to pay attention to the one that says, go for it, do it, right? And ignore those other 10 pieces of information. And so part of it is also not just about like, like there's plenty of resources out there, but you also have to work to be like a a good um, sort of critical thinker about the resources that you're using and being aware that like, we all have that bias if you really want to do something oftentimes you are looking for any support you can get that that's a great idea all right so i don't
0: mean to interrupt you so let's just like i was saying we want to button it up so we want to make sure that what we're telling our millions of fans out there if you want to go to the next level all right think of it like an id software game if you ever played doom like the levels are like, you know, don't hurt me, daddy. You know, uh, they're they're like hardcore, right? List, right? And if you're going to go all the way to like, you know, hard, hardcore, I think what we've come to learning from you, Doc, is that A, be a critical thinker, B, check those resources and maybe take it slow. Get to know a community of people that have experience in this world. Talk to someone like the doc. Maybe, uh, you know, seek more information before you just, you know, I'm going with, you know, a dildo the size of a leg and I'm going to see if it fits or whatever the thing is, you know, because... You you know, there are limits to what the body can take and right. you want to be safe. You want to be safe for yourself and you want to, you know, and I would also like to add in, like, if you're going to do this with also with a partner, make sure it's somebody that you have built up a lot of trust, a lot of communication, because when you get into these danger zones, I mean, I'm going to tell you something right now. And my wife is forbidden to listen to this episode. Because she already wants to stick things in my butt. And then we're talking about sticking things in like electrodes up my urethra. I don't even know what that is, but it terrifies me, okay? And at the end of the day, I'm just a man, okay? And I have fears just like us we all do, okay? And that's why I made me sweat. But my point is that, you know, you gotta build trust and you gotta have communication, I would think, based on everything you're saying, your doc that right. you know, and I know we and say that... this all the time, but like, you know, true, like some of these things can be dangerous. You gotta be careful, right?
1: Right. And I mean those are all like yes, it's good recap. And those but all of that also is like not all of it, but like a lot of that is pertaining to if you're doing it with someone else, right? But a lot of times people are doing stuff by themselves. And so something that can be really helpful is getting a really good primary care physician that you really trust and don't feel like is kind of like a judgy judy, sure. right? So that you feel like you can be really honest and yeah. say, "Hey doc, Let's say hypothetically, I was doing A. What would be some risks of that? Would you have any concerns knowing my health and knowing the things that I might struggle with? Or, you know, so that you can have, like, it's really good to have a doctor that you can talk openly with. Uh, And you might have to shop around for that, right? Because some providers might not be great at that and some might be better. And that's something that can also help you know, if let's say you're starting to, like, amp something up a notch and you are noticing, like, medical side effects as a result of doing that. You want to be able to talk to your doctor yeah, about if, you're,
0: if your butt falls <clears throat> out of your butt, I mean, that's – you need to be <laughs> able to go talk to your doctor. You need to be like, dude, my butt fell out of my butt, doc. And have your doctor not be judgmental and be like, okay, we talked about this and what size was the fist on that dildo that you have been – Yada, 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 fill in the blanks, right? So I think that's also great advice to go with my great advice. So we have so much great advice, Doc.
1: Right. (laughs) And I I do, I think like, yes. The But if it's more the emotional side of things, like if you're like struggling to talk about that with somebody, then like a lot of times getting like one on one support and just learning how to talk about your interests, like to your question, Greg, right, that you asked, like seeing somebody and developing a trusting relationship with somebody where you because sometimes people don't even know to how to start a dialogue. And that's a lot of what I help people do is just start a dialogue.
2: Well, and I guess that's why I was asking, are there resources out there or is there something that someone can kind of go to is like a, you know, intro to, you know, sex and danger? I, I don't know. like.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah um, I think that there's a number of great books out there around like, like if it's, let's say it's more in the BDSM or kink world, right? There's more, there's some books and whatnot out there, but there's a lot of those. And so, mm-hmm. um, but I, I do think like FetLife can be a resource just again, Using you it, don't with have like to go of,
0: meet anybody. You can start chatting with people. You can, ask yeah, just them mindfulness.
1: Mindfulness. mindfulness around it. Um, and you know, I well, I just had a, a question. So,
2: when it comes to like a place like FetLife, like if someone is curious or wants to engage in a conversation, can it be done just completely anonymously so they feel safe enough to ask the question and not feel like, oh, crud, like I'm putting too much out there.
0: No, no, oh of course. You know, the great thing is about FetLife and a lot of these things, just like anything, it's really as much as you want to put out there about yourself. And, you know, we talked about this in past episodes, like, you know, on Swinger websites and all that sort of thing. You know, it really is about, uh, you know, you should have a good filtering system. You should, you know, you don't have to put everything out there. And like, this is my phone number and this is where you, my email, like you can just... You know, set up a uh, account. You can be, you know, a little bit more ambiguous. A lot of people don't show their faces until they really trust somebody or make sure the person they're talking to is real, so on and so forth. So you can go in there with pretty much, uh, you know, anonymously and and uh, start talking and, and making connections. Like I am bloodletting 234 and I would like to talk to mm-hmm. somebody about, you know, blood play. Anybody out there into that, I would love to chat, you know, and you can there are forums, there are all kinds of things you can do with. Yeah. Cool.
1: Yeah. There it is. Well, yeah. And I and I do think like that's the everything that I was talking about too, around like seeing a therapist. I do want to remind people seeing a therapist, seeing a medical doctor, like that stuff is confidential, right? Like, you you know, sometimes I think people know that, but like they they forget it a little bit. I will tell you, and this is important, that medical providers, myself included, um, as a psychological provider, you do have a legal obligation to do, like you, you do if someone tells you they're going to harm themselves, but it's usually in a very, or somebody else, but in a very specific way. And unless you have a provider that has, Really, not a lot of awareness of like uh, sexual health. For the most part, that that really is something very different, right? So, yeah. like some some of the sexual play stuff would absolutely not be included in that unless it was on some very atypical end of the spectrum.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and 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 also to put it out there and uh, kind of close up uh, shop here today. And I would like to thank Greg for being here. I know this was a topic, and he had to deal with the heat, and so thank you very much for always being willing and open and throwing out your thoughts and insight, and to thank you, Doc, for putting something out there that actually was—this was a difficult one to talk about. Like, it was a difficult—you know, I learned a lot today. And, I mean, I always learn a lot, but I really did. Like, I, you know, this was, uh, this was a tough one uh, to navigate, and so I'm glad that we had the dialogue, and I'm grateful for you for bringing it to us. So, but also I'd like to say— uh, you know, the things also we're talking about, it's not just kink people or people who are into kink that might have these fetishes. Am I right? Like the people that-
1: Yeah, and I and I hope that I've made that clear. Like, I think that a lot of times people associate that community with behaviors that are higher risk and more extreme. But like I've said many times, like, sure, that might be happening with that, that community, but this is generally people are pairing risk and sex all the time, all just the time, generally. The time. So I just, yeah, I always wanted to make sure, people.
0: yeah, just want to make sure that we, you know, that we made that clear. That was really all. So Doc, thank you so much for all that you do for everybody all the time. Greg, thank you again for being here. But thank you to all of our millions of fans out there at the University of Pleasure. We are so grateful that you tune in for these roundtable discussions. And. Uh, we hope to see you all next week. And by see, I mean hear you, but I don't mean us hearing you, you hearing us, if that all makes sense to everyone. So thanks, Doc.
1: Thank you. Thanks,
0: Greg. Of course. My pleasure.
1: Thanks, Greg. And everybody,
0: be kind to one another. And that's pretty much it. We'll talk to you next week. Take care. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Janssen and me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Feldstein. Additional multimedia support by associate producer Kyle Binkley. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure, So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to like, share, and subscribe to all of our social media.